When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When you need to be kept up with everything going on in the world of rock and roll, well, there's only one place that's going to give you the news the way you want it, and that is the Decibel Geek Podcast and Geek Wire. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined as always by Chris Sinzak. You know, Chris, he, he's got his finger on the pulse of rock and metal. He knows everything that's going on in the world. Me, you know, not so much. But it's a good chance for me to get caught up, too. <laughs> it's too much pressure when you say stuff like that. <laughs> I really don't. I just I have a uh, bookmark to blabbermouth. That's really about it. Yeah, he knows all. He <laughs> sees all in the world of rock and metal. It's Chris Sinzak. <laughs> no pressure, though. Well, I mean, I think first thing we got to talk about is just send our condolences to the people up in, what was it, Belvedere? Illinois, yeah, where the ceiling collapsed during a Morbid Angel concert, man, and a lot of people got hurt, and one of our metal brothers out there lost his life, and you know, just thought we'd kick off the show and send our condolences to everybody up there. It, you know, it sucks when bad things happen, and they happen all the time, but you know, this is geek wire, <coughs> so we got to send our love to the folks up there, tr- just trying to enjoy a metal show. I mean. When a band like Morbid Angel comes out and says we're gonna blow the roof off the place, you know nobody nobody expects that. Yeah, I um, I think I know at least two or three people that were going to go to that show, but did they wound up not going because there was a lot of severe weather going on in that area yeah. that night, and I just kept seeing reports, and, and initially people were saying multiple people died. I was like, holy shit! And then I uh, somebody had posted video. Uh, from inside the venue showing the rubble from the ceiling on top, you know, and it's like right there in the middle of the floor where all right. the audience would stand. Where everybody crazy. would be. It's insane that only one person died from that. Yeah, it is. A bunch of metal ass people in there toughing it out, man. But that sucks, man. I hate it. But, you know, we just thought we'd put that right out there right off the bat. We don't want to bring nobody down because we're all about having fun here. On GeekWire. So I guess let's kick it off with the biggest news in the world. Chris, I made history again. Oh, you did? I sure did. I got my very own thread on Entombed FAQ. Oh, you, you ever, did? You ever heard about Entombed FAQ? Yeah, no, it's this awesome band. They came out with an album back in the day, had Wolverine on the cover. <laughs> Vaguely familiar. So the, the post is from uh, somebody named Josh Loves Biscuits. 
And uh, it goes a little something like this. Boy, the Senor Camaro is kind of dumb. He doesn't even know the difference between enslaved and entombed. <laughs> kind of deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> so last time we did GeekWire, I was talking all about Enslaved and their new album. And then I started talking about an entirely different band called Entombed. And then somehow intermingled the two. So I have my own thread on Entombed FAQ now. It's awesome. There's really an entombed FAQ? Fuck no, I'm making all this up. Come oh, on. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, well, who, how could there be one of those? That's crazy. Yeah, you know, it's it's like Kiss FAQ, but for the band Entombed. Okay. That's oh. where I start. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you thought that was real. <laughs> I was initially thinking, well, and you even had like a username, so you know, it, that's my late April Fool's joke on me, I guess. The username is Josh Loves Biscuits. Who do you think that could have been? Uh, okay. I'm a little slow today. I guess. Um. <laughs> I thought it was real. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you got any news stories? <laughs> I don't know, do I? Um, oh, well, before we get to news stories, I do have I do have a movie review. Oh yeah. So I was kind of conflicted about going to see this, but I was like, I saw it was playing at a matinee down the street from us, and uh, my wife wanted, was like, let's go to a movie, let's go to see a movie, and I was like, all right, and then I, so we went and saw Spinning Gold, the, uh, nice. the Neil Bogart biopic. Right on. You know, I've heard good and bad reviews about this. I thought, I've heard it was cool, but very inaccurate. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I it, it's... I can view the I can review this kind of two ways. So basically, it, it it was made by Timothy Scott Bogart, which was Neil's son, and also one of his other kids, a guy named Evan Bogart, uh, worked on it too. And so it's a family kind of labor of love project. And right when you watch it, you will definitely get that. So if I'm viewing it as a love letter to a father from their kids. I think it's heartfelt. I think it's uh, you know it's heartwarming, and I think it's a nice tribute to their father. If right I'm on. looking at it as an objective movie reviewer and looking at accuracy and uh, entertainment or structure, it's not great. It's um, it's pretty cringy in a lot of parts. It's like it's very it's very hokey in places. But yeah. and the the inaccuracies are a plenty uh not just with the kiss stuff there's all there's inaccuracies all over this thing and um but for a, a an afternoon out with my wife it was okay to watch but I, I would not recommend anyone spend money going to the theater just wait for it to stream and uh, watch it at home okay all right that seems cool i seen some of the previews they seemed all right showed a little like gene and paul in there was was Ace Fraley represented at all in the movie? There's a guy playing Ace, and you see, the, and actually, the you know they didn't get the rights to the makeup in this. So right, um, yeah, I but, saw that. But the Ace character's makeup's almost the closest to all of them. But I, I don't know. He does. The Ace has no speaking parts. Ah, um, they couldn't and, even sneak in him in the background going ah rock and roll. You would have liked that, but. Um, the the Peter character barely had any speaking parts. It was mostly Gene and Paul, but even and the guy playing Paul, like the mannerisms, the look, the nothing nothing was right on him. Yeah. Um the guy playing Gene kinda he kinda had Gene down a little bit for 
you know, being real soft-spoken and serious, you know, but he kind of did it over, he overdid it. It got to the point where my wife, every time he would start talking, she would look at me and she'd go, I'm Gene Simmons from Kiss. <laughs> Get it? We're fucking. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it, it, it kind of came off very Craig Gas-like, so, um, but it was, it was fun. I mean, there was little moments in here and there's certain things about like, you, the the thing I liked about it was it, it actually focuses more on how many failures he had before he actually broke through. Yeah. So like 70% of the movie is him trying and failing at stuff constantly. And then by the end of it, you see how everything just finally, you know, society caught up and he got some breaks, uh, but it does go into certain things like the, the Johnny Carson album that almost tanked the company before Alive came out. That yeah. was kind of interesting to hear about. Um, but just so many inaccurate. If you're a Kiss fan and you know the history, well, I, the, a lot of the anything involving Kiss, you're just gonna be like, "Oh, that's wrong. That's wrong. Oh God, that's wrong." <laughs> but, um, but you just it's the Queen movie was the same way. So um, yeah. But the last twenty minutes are kind of where it actually kind of hits home, where the guy playing Neil, the, there's a lot of him talking to the camera. That kind of that that'll bother you at first, and then you sort of buy into it as time goes on. But at the end of the movie. You know, he talks about how he died. He's, you know, you know, I passed early and blah, blah. And I wouldn't change a thing, but that that's kind of cool at the end. And then during the credits, there's like a lot of footage and photos of the real Neil Bogart, which I thought was cool. And, you know, and video of him with, with his kids waving to the camera. And I was like, kind of like, I, I got a little teary eyed at that part. Cause it was just, like, it was just so sad that he died so young, you know? Yeah. That sounds pretty cool overall. It's worth watching. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it, uh, that I'll that, that it's not worth watching. It's just it, it's more like a it come off more like one of those VH1 biopics like they did back in the day. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, but entertaining. It's worth your you know it's a nice two and a half hour movie. Neil Bogart behind the music. Yeah. Now I'd love to see a documentary about him. I think that would be better for me. But as we know, I love documentaries. But it was. It would be cool to see like a professional documentary with it. You know, it was cool to see them mention like Larry Harris and Bucky Rheingold and some of the people that worked with him in, in the business. Right on. That's awesome. Now I want to go see it. Yeah. You'd like it. If you, even if you go to the theater, you'll, you'll enjoy it. It's an enjoyable movie. It's just very inaccurate in parts. When I'm working down in green Hills, they got that theater down there. And a lot of times I'll walk past the road where all the posters are at. And I saw that one up there the other day. Yeah, I like that theater. I've gone to see a few things there. Right on. Okay, cool. What else we got? Well, we have, um, you know, it was recently April Fool's Day, so um, Sebastian Bach got in on the action. Oh, boy. I can imagine. Sebastian Bach has poked fun of his notoriously acrimonious relationship with his former bandmates by sharing an April Fool's Day post in which he claimed all five members of the lineup worked together with Atlantic Records to put together a box set version of their last album together, Subhuman Race. That's the joke? And people and people laughed and laughed. And Actually, I didn't even hear about this till I saw the article. He said, oh, man, uh, that's kind of a, that's not, I don't know. I ain't got no room to talk about bad April Fool's Day jokes, I guess. But that's kind of, I don't know. You're only taking your fans and them going, oh, yeah, hell yeah. What, you know, what is this? And then, oh, it's April Fool's. Oh, so like, that's not so, funny. Yeah. So here's his, uh, it was an Instagram post and he says, 
28 years ago, we released Subhuman Race, our third studio album. To commemorate this momentous occasion, our great friends at Atlantic Records have decided to release the first ever Subhuman Race box set. <laughs> all five all five members of the band have come together to give fans the ultimate Subhuman Race experience. Unreleased songs, live concert Blu-ray posters, tour programs, all included and unseen till now. See, Super that Deluxe, sounds on, freaking awesome. The Super Deluxe box set edition includes 5.1 surround sound remastered by Flip Wilson and a spoke from the left tire of the subhuman beings on tour bus. Release info coming soon to skidrow.com. Skidrow.con. Okay, that is kind of funny. <laughs> kind of, yeah. A spoke from the wheel in the bus? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of funny if you actually took the time to read it. You know, that's kind of April Fool's joke that's played on somebody that only reads the headline, you know, and doesn't really look into the whole thing. So that makes it funny. But otherwise, it's just kind of a bummer because that would be awesome if that was real. Yeah, and also the fact that Flip Wilson died like 25 years ago. Flip Wilson. (laughs) It had nothing to do with music. I guess you got to read all the way through to get to the punchline. Actually, I'll give it to Spashbach. That is kind of funny. Yeah, at least he tried. Did you see my April Fool's prank? Uh, no, I just figured you finally came clean with yourself. Finally came clean with myself? Yeah. Uh, with my public apology to Vinnie Vincent? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I figured one ex-Kiss member deserved a public apology, so I thought I'd take care of it for him. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, the, and the comments were even better than the joke. So it was, uh, that was entertaining that day. Um, but yeah, I saw, um, when are you going to learn about your Vinnie Vincent April Fool's jokes? I know. What a dumb idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. I'm no one really to speak about bad April Fool's jokes. <laughs> right. Um, but this is no joke. Uh, Def Leppard's Vivian Campbell has picked Thin Lizzy's Phil Lynott at his, as his quote-unquote rock god. Yeah, okay, cool. You know, yeah. Phil Lynott is a rock god for sure. I guess it's not a giant shock, but uh, nah. always I like seeing uh, Phil get some extra press here. But, I mean, Vivian, obviously from Dublin himself, and talks about, you know, that when he had the band Sweet Savage when he was a teenager, and uh, played in Dublin all the time, and Phil got up and played with them several times uh, wow. when they were out playing clubs, and uh, pretty big influence over Viv. That's pretty cool. And being from there where I can't imagine, you know, how many great Irish rock stars are there. You know, it's Thin Lizzy and Vivian Campbell and maybe a handful of others. So to see a guy that you know, got out and toured the world with his rock music. I'm sure that had to be super inspirational, especially when Vivian was young. Yeah. And there was a, there was an article recently about, uh, it was like, uh, conducted over Irish people, but it was like, what was the most impactful rock artist from Ireland? And, uh, then Lizzie beat out you too. Nice. See, I don't even think of you too. Yeah. Nobody wants to think of you too. I like some of their stuff. Yeah, let's just stick with the Thin Lizzy, I think. Okay. That, that's pretty cool, man. I'd like to see Def Leppard maybe try to do kind of a rock album if you're such big Thin Lizzy fans instead of this all this weird shit. 
I'd like to see somebody put together a Thin Lizzy tribute album similar in vain to what Kiss did with Kiss My Ass, but have like a lot of major players that were influenced by him do you know yeah. their own kind of spin on their songs. Yeah. Where's Bob Kulik when we need him? Well, we know where he's at, but yeah. I know. I don't think he ever did a Thin Lizzy one. No. I don't know if he was really a Thin Lizzy fan. I've never really heard him talk about them. Hmm. That'd have been cool. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Except they'd probably fill it full of people that suck. Yeah. I don't know if I want to hear Toad the Wet Sprocket doing Jailbreak. Get Yokishi doing a artistic rendering of the boys are back in town. I'll tell you what though, Yoshiki's um, Black Diamond cover, I love that. Yeah, it is pretty cool. That's it's far so, out. It's so epic sounding. It's huge. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So it wouldn't be a, a month wouldn't go by without Udo talking shit about Accept, and he's doing it again. Did you see this? No. Uh. Uh-uh. I said um, talking about. Uh, that UDO is now more accept than accept is at the moment. <laughs> and, uh, cause Peter Baltus, you know, joined the band and, um, he said that, uh, da, 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 da. hang on. I was just talking about Peter Baltus being back and what he says, uh, Peter for me is a great bass player. One of the best in heavy metal. He's a legend. And of course I worked with him for a very long time together. Good singer, good songwriter, maybe, we will see what the future brings. Uh, I don't want to say anything wrong, but I think now we are more accept than accept is at the moment. There's only oh, one wow. original member left, and that's Wolf Hoffman. So it's interesting, very interesting. I don't. I mean, I guess technically, but they still own the name, right? Yeah, you can say that all you want, but you're still UDO, and they're still accept. And I thought he was going to go with like the music, like UDO plays more classic accept than Accept does. But then you got to take into account that Accept continues to put out new music all the time. Mm. The good stuff, too. We should be expecting a new Accept album before the end of the year, I believe. Oh, I hope so. So, I mean, and the music that Accept is creating and releasing now is pretty phenomenal. You know, really awesome. The last thing UDO came out with, I think, was that kind of weird covers album. Oh, it was terrible. Not great. Not great. But I'm still a fan of both, you know, and I, I love that classic Accept. And that was a band that I never got into when I was younger. I only knew Balls to the Wall. And I always thought, well, that song's pretty cool. But I never listened to nothing else. Mm-hmm. And then I got older, especially doing this show, like more and more people were talking about Accept. And so then I started seeking out more stuff by them and absolutely fell in love with the early stuff. And then, you know, that brought me to be introduced to UDO and what Accept is now. And I I love it all. I think it's, I'm I'm a little jealous of the European fans who got to grow up in the 80s because there was so much great stuff that I think you'd probably agree we got turned on to so many years later. Like, um, you know, Accept and then uh, the new wave of British heavy metal. There was a lot of that stuff I had no idea about when I was a kid. I mean, even some of that early Scorpion stuff. It's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, there's some weird there's some weird stuff in their catalog too. Um Yeah. They they went through a lot of changes before they really broke big. Yeah, pretty cool. I love it all. <laughs> but uh uh do you want to do your segment now and okay. then we'll go into the rest? Yeah, we can do my segment. I got 
Some rock star birthdays, rock star death days, and new albums coming your way. So I've been doing a little uh, soul searching about the birthdays. I don't know if I want to do birthdays anymore. Okay. It's kind of a bummer because it really kind of started out as just an excuse for me to shout out our friends on their birthdays. Mm-hmm. And then maybe mix in some rock stars, too. <laughs> the birthdays are a bummer and the death days are not? Well, no, I mean, the death days are important because you need to remember, you know, okay. and, and never forget. But what happens with the birthdays is inevitably I end up missing people. And I get people sending me messages all the time. <laughs> maybe not all the time, but enough to go, hey, you missed my birthday. I'm like, shit, you know? Now you know how I feel with Geeks of the Week. Yeah, it's really kind of a bummer because I don't want to miss anybody's birthday, but I can't shout out everyone. I don't know what I'm going to do. So let's just rock out these birthdays here real quick because we got some cool ones. Uh, We'll go back a few days because we left off kind of around Rockin' Pod, but we've had some cool birthdays since then. On March 30th, happy birthday to Jim Dandy to the rescue. That's a guy I'd like to talk to one time on the show. Got got to hang out with him backstage at a Poison show once. That's awesome at a Poison show. Yeah, Poison and Cheap Trick at the uh, amphitheater downtown. That was a. I went in to talk to Ricky Rocket and I look over and like, there's Jim Dandy. That was Jim wild. Jim Dandy. That's freaking awesome. I like that. And then uh, Angus Young on the thirty first celebrated his sixty eighth birthday. That's awesome, Angus Young. I mean. We'll talk about him in a minute, but yeah, ACDC's still out there doing it. Mr. April Fools himself, Sebastian Bach, turned 55 on the 3rd. Josh Todd from Buck Cherry turned 52 on the 4th. Our friend Bryn Ahrens, we've always talked about having Bryn on the show. We've not done it yet. I don't know what the hell we're waiting for. He celebrated birthday on the 7th. Happy birthday to him. He started Uh, a podcast. Did you know that? No. Yeah. I think it's called like Flip Sides. Oh, man, that's got to be awesome. Mm-hmm. I'll have to check that out. Flip sides, awesome. Everybody check that out. Let's see. Here's a couple of guys that have birthdays on the same day. A couple years apart, but on the same day. No, one year apart, but on the same day. A couple of guys that got a history together going back to the 80s. Some fists were flying. On the same day, the 8th, celebrating birthdays, Izzy Stradlin and Vince Neal. Oh, boy. Isn't that strange? <laughs> that they Come would on. clash when they really should have been friends. They could have had birthday parties together, but no. Fists are flying. Who's older, Vince Neal or Izzy Stradlin? Uh, it's got, I think it would be Vince. Yeah, by one year. Vince turned in 62, Izzy Stradlin 61. Vince Here's Neal from Compton, California. That's right. From the mean streets of Compton. Might have been the only white guy there. Who knows? Probably was. Uh, here's another one. Entering his 60s for the very first time, celebrating a birthday on the 10th, Warren Martini, Nice. The chocolate king. He can't play guitar like he used to because he's got chocolate all over his fingers. <laughs> Don't you understand? <laughs> he doesn't have to play guitar anymore. He's got all that money. And chocolate. (laughs) Also, a couple of friends of ours celebrating birthdays on the 10th. Gene Vogel and Wally Gator. Nice. I like both those guys a lot. Here's another one. Former guest on the show. 
Andrew Scambatti, celebrated mm-hmm. birthday on the 12th, along with Scott Crouch. I think we're going to be seeing him in May up at the Ugly Kid Joe show in Indianapolis. Yep. Happy birthday, Scott. Let's see, on the 13th, celebrating a birthday. Here's a couple of names you probably never really put together. Henry Rollins, 62. Randy Piper, 70. Hmm. Let's see, who else we got? Henry Rollins, Nashville resident now, too. I heard about that. What, is he opening some kind of record-making plant or something? Factory? That's that's what people think. he, He bought a... Like some kind of factory building, actually over by the fairgrounds where we did Rock and Pod, oh. and um, that's the rumors. People think it'll be a, some kind of record pressing plant, but yeah, he lives out by my mom in Bellevue. Wow! See, the rumor I heard was that Henry Rollins is in town because he wants to buy Rock and Pod. He can have it <laughs> and put it in his nice building. That would be cool. That would be cool. At least to have him as a guest, if he wants to next year pimp some of his. Uh, business endeavors here in town he should appear at rock and pod at the very least he'd probably show up and just look at vinyl yeah yeah pretty cool i did not know that henry rollins in nashville pretty cool mm-hmm. uh let's see a couple more we'll wrap it up with two awesome dudes matt ashcraft and shane a bear matt on the 13th shane on the 14th happy birthday brothers and uh, to anybody I've inevitably missed, I'm so sorry. So sorry. I do my best. All right, let's talk about people that need to be remembered this time of year. People that need to be remembered. We can't forget these folks even though they're gone. are going to celebrate, well, it's always funny to say that, celebrate the the passing, the remembrance of A.J. Perro. He was the drummer in Twisted Sister and Adrenaline Mob. Lost him back in 2015 on the 20th at the age of 55. Heart attack on the tour bus. Yep. You know, it's things like that. You know, you can at least say eh, the guy was out there doing what he did best, doing what he loved, out there rocking on the road. Oh, I I hate to say it, but Anytime I hear AJ Perro's name now, I all I automatically think of Craig Gass's story about him. <laughs> I don't think I heard Craig Gass' story about him. You haven't? No. It's it's a it's a bit in his his act. It just involves. I must have missed a, it. I don't a, know how. An odd, a uh, badly done tattoo that AJ didn't realize was something else. I'll we'll, I'll talk to you off air about. Okay. It. <laughs> all right. Yeah, we're not trying to steal nobody's bits for the Geek Wire. <laughs> no. Well, you'll laugh pretty hard when I tell you. <laughs> I guess if you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, here's one I'm sad to say that just happened last week on the 22nd. Saliva guitarist Wayne Swinney passed away at the age of 59. Said it was a sudden brain hemorrhage while on tour. Yeah, I saw that. That's really sad. That is sad. You know, when I heard about that, I mean, I got a couple salivas up on the shelf here, up on the CD rack, the Decibel Geek Library, and I pulled them out, you know, and it's like, you know, I haven't listened to these in a while. And here's one I'm probably going to spoil that would have been an awesome Beat the Geek question, but did you know that Todd Poole from mm-hmm. Roxy Blue played drums on the first Saliva album? Yeah, him and Wayne were the two people that founded the the band. Yeah, that's wild. I did not know that. And then... 
got to looking at that. Well, I did. I must have known it somewhere because I got looking at it. I was like, oh, yeah, you know. And I think that guy was a pretty underrated guitar player. That stuff was kind of new metal-ish, mm-hmm. click, click, boom, and all that stuff. But it still had a good kind of hard rock and edge to it, too, that I liked. And I think um, you remember that show that <clears throat> Rock and Ron and I met up at in near Memphis with uh, Every Mother's Nightmare, Roxy Blue and Tora Tora opening yeah. for Brett Michaels. Yeah, I remember. I'm almost certain that Wayne Swinney was playing guitar for uh, Roxy Blue at that show. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's sad, man. I know a lot of people heartbroken out there over that one. And it, like you said, it just happened on the 22nd. Yeah. So, you know, pull out some saliva. Check it out. I, I found it to be better than I remembered it being. I dug some of that stuff back in the early days. Yeah. All right. This one goes back to 2014 on the 23rd. Got to remember the passing of Dave Brocky, otherwise Odorous. known as Odorous Urungus from Guar. Found dead in his Richmond, Virginia home of an apparent heroin overdose. Fifty years old, a little too old to be doing drugs, man. That, as you always said, if you're over forty, don't do the death drugs. Right, that shit'll kill you. You know, <laughs> you, you were a little more resilient when you were younger, but hey, you start getting up there in the age, you know, the death drugs that becomes what they really are. Yeah, you know, there's there's always a few on the list on Rockstar Death Days that always fall under that category. You know, here's one, 2022, at the age of 50 also, while on tour in South America, Taylor Hawkins, he's complaining about chest pain, and then later on he's found unresponsive, and they say 10 different drugs in his system at the time. Awful. Yeah, it's a bummer. You know, that's one you go, well, he was out doing what he loved, rocking and rolling in South America. How cool, you know, what a way to go. But then you think, man, 50's damn young to be dying that way i think if he had the choice i think he would have lived a lot longer than that well i mean wouldn't all these guys of course of That's course what I'm it's, it's given it's the choice partying and all but a lot of them are just doing that stuff to cope yeah yeah here's one man he didn't have no choice in the matter back in 2002 at the age of 51 we lost randy castillo longtime ozzy drummer man he had health problems that started in 2000 a lot of ups and downs from there. Thought he was going to clear it, but then, you know, eventually the cancer returns. And, man, that guy makes you wonder what he'd be up to, who he'd be playing with today, because he was so good. Didn't didn't we lose him and Ricky Parent right around the same time, both from cancer? Um, I know Ricky Parent's on this list somewhere, but it I guess maybe around the same year-ish. It seemed like it was right. They were close together because I was just like, damn, both those guys. And also both known as incredibly nice people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That one was a real bummer. Um, This one's kind of interesting because it's, I don't know, it's kind of weird. Back in 2021, I don't know if you know him, if this name rings a bell with you, Brett Bradshaw. He was the drummer for Faster Pussycat for a few years and he played on the Whipped album but he was also in a band called Blackboard Jungle that was pretty good and uh, pretty big in L.A. That's um, <clears throat> my friend Britt Pinella was in that band. He, and Britt does a show called Metal Society Sunday. Oh, nice. Yeah. Man. They were a very underrated band from the L.A. scene. Everybody's got a podcast nowadays. I know. 
Yeah, it's kind of. I mean, I tried to look it up because I'm I'm a big fan of uh, the Whipped album by Faster Pussycat. I think the drumming's killer on that. So this guy was super talented, dude. And he all it says he died unexpectedly, and the cause of death was never revealed. Oh man, so who knows? Uh, let's see. On the fifth, I mean, this is one of the historic ones of all time. At the age of 27 in 1994, lead vocalist and guitarist of Nirvana, Kurt Cobain. Suicide question mark? I don't know. Some say yes, some say no. It seems like every so often you see the headline, new evidence points to that this was not a suicide. But, I mean, that's been covered and covered and recovered and... El Duce got hit by a train, and uh-huh. I mean, it's there's some weird stuff there, man. That would be one because I'm fully in the camp of something more than an overdose happened. Um, but I would like to do like a point counterpoint full episode on that and get somebody on the other side who believes the official story and then just go at it with them. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I, I'd referee that. You ever heard any uh, El Duce music? I tried once, and uh, once was enough. I got a CD. It was like a buck, and I was like, I know that guy. That's that's the dude that got hit by a train after talking about <laughs> Courtney Love killed Kurt Cobain. What a I, legacy. I looked, well, it made me buy the CD for a dollar. <laughs> was it worth the dollar? No. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. I I tried once listening to it because I, I had a friend that loved loved his music and I was like I've always heard about him from the Kurt and Courtney movie and everything I'm like let me hear some of the music I, I think we got through about thirty seconds and I was like that's enough I, yeah, I don't need to hear more than I'm that. good I'm good pretty awful <laughs> yeah here's another sad one but it's something you can learn a lesson from like how you should never drive. In these certain circumstances. Back in 1998, one of the most legendary drummers of all time. Chris, I know you know this because everybody says you know everything about Kiss and Cozy Powell. Yeah. On April 5th, 1998, he's driving a sports car without a seatbelt while using his cell phone, intoxicated in bad weather over 100 miles per hour. What do you think happens? Uh, it, you, you pretty much uh, guarantee you're, you're probably going to at least get hurt very badly or worse. Yeah, people. Don't ever do like Cozy Pole did because, man, that shit killed him. Shot him right out of that car like a rocket through the windshield. It's mm. awful. Talented guy, too. So talented. I mean, we talked about on Beat the Geek you know, a week or so ago. He came up as one of the questions, and it's like all the albums that he played on and how sought after he was as a drummer back in the day. Mm-hmm. He was uh, considered for Kiss at one point. Yeah, that would have been that would have been something. Yeah, that would have been something. Wow, that's a big Kiss. What if? Uh, another one on the fifth again. Drugs, they're bad. At the age of thirty-four in two thousand two. One of a kind lead vocalist for Alice in Chains, Lane Staley. That one's, that's a real bummer, that story. That poor guy laid dead for two weeks. Yeah, he had pretty much cut off all contact with everybody. Yeah, before anybody even realized he was gone. Yeah, that's a, that's a sad story. I mean, think about that. Think about how awesome Alice in Chains was, especially those first few albums. Yeah. Just killer, killer stuff. And Lane Staley 
was at one point probably the most popular rock star on earth. Definitely one of the most identifiable voices of all time. And oh yeah, also one of the best lyricists I've oh, ever I've ever seen. For sure, man. So talented. Such a waste. Hmm. Better check on Ian Wadley. I think living in Seattle does it to people. <laughs> the first time I talked to him on the phone after he moved, I was like, well, you hooked on smack yet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What's your ranking in the chop zone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Seattle. Oof. What kind of contest did he lose? It's a beautiful town. Uh, I think my wife and I are going to try to make it out there in like the next year to visit. But, yeah, uh, I've, I've never visited before, but I, I've heard it's a great town to hang out at. It's just I, I wouldn't want to live there. Too much rain. Yeah, too much rain. That's what it is. All right, then. Also on the fifth, back in two thousand seven. Yeah, it's been a while now. At the age of fifty-one, man, things went downhill fast for old Mark St. John after he was relieved from being in Kiss. Got that right. I don't even know the full story about. I mean, I guess he went to jail and. Things went wrong in there, and this is just like a county jail, and he's only in there for a couple of weeks, but he, like, stole something from somebody, so they moved him to another cell block where the guards allowed his fellow inmates in the county jail to beat the shit out of him and poke him with pencils. Yeah, jailhouse justice. He, uh, from what I remember reading, it's been years, was that he, like, stole a pack of crackers or something from somebody. Jeez. I don't remember what landed him in jail to start with, though. Um, it was evading arrest, hiding, hiding. Yeah, it was something to do like that. Like, oh, drug paraphernalia, evading arrest, and there's something else on there too. Something. It was piddly, but I mean, I don't know the actual facts of man. Why ain't that on cops? I'll tell you, I'll tell the, the regular listeners something I probably should just say for VIP, but it's interesting. Um, we were actually working on a Mark St. John episode for Christmas in July a few years ago. Oh, yeah. And uh, I had gotten Michael Norton, his brother, to agree to do a full-on interview with us to talk about White Tiger and, of course, growing up with him. And it was right around the time that a lot of those rumors came up about what Mark was into. And uh, you can find that if you want to look for it. I'm not going to share that on here but um he got spooked thinking we were trying to dig for dirt and then backed out on us that's right i forgot about that yep. which i mean we weren't no i just wanted to talk about his career but yeah. also it was it, it also made the decision easier not to do the episode because it's kind of like well with what he was being accused of i'm kind of like i don't think i want to touch that i never seen no evidence for any of that no it was more hearsay of what other people said they saw um, including Peter Chris. Huh. I wonder if there's any, I'd like to read Peter Chris saying that if that's actually real. It's in his that's, book. Is it in his book? Yeah. Oh shit. But it was like, it, it, it was in his book years ago, but like, it, it kind of like got legs around the time we were trying to put that episode together. Yeah. And I was just like, eh. and then once he backed out all we, Brian James Fox, who was the drummer in white tiger, had agreed to do an interview, but it was kind of like we wanted to get Michael too to get like kind of more of the backstory. And then once that fell through, we we're just kind of like, ah, eh, let's just not do it. 
Yeah. Man, it would have been interesting to hear his story, though, because there's really not a whole lot out there about Mark St. John. Yeah. I, there's just there's not a lot of people that are willing to talk about him. You know, yeah. it's he and he had a real bad, you know, after Kiss, aside from the rumors, like just the drug problems and stuff. Yeah. It was just really sad. Well, he said smoking meth was what finally killed him. Yeah, he looked right. He he was doing conventions near the end, uh, kiss conventions, and boy, he did not look good during those conventions. Man, that sucks for him. You know, yeah. piece of history, and you know, it's he's kind of become like a footnote now. Yeah, but he was a hell of a talent. Yeah, and why have you heard any of the uh, off the soundboard that they've released so far for that show that he did with them? Uh, no, but that one is definitely coming up in the new albums coming out. So yeah, Mark St. John's my last one for that. So yeah, that's that's a great segue. There you go. I know what I'm doing. Right into albums to look forward to. All right, I've got a list. There's actually quite a few this time, and I've had some people helping me out with stuff so I don't miss anything. It's it's not bad. I'm actually getting this together a little bit. So let's start with this one. I don't know if you're a fan of this band or not, but it is it, this one this one's actually out already. I got a few that are out already that I kind of missed in between with Rock and Pot and everything, so I thought we'd go back. On the seventeenth, I don't know if you're a fan. Theory of a Dead Man. They got a new album coming out. Honestly haven't uh I just know what was released on the radio years ago. I haven't yeah. really taken a, a real hard listen to their stuff. Yeah, it's the eighth studio album from the British Columbian band known for Bad Girlfriend, Low Life, History of Violence. And the new album's called Dinosaur. It came out on the 17th. Mastered by Ted Jensen, known for such classics as The Eagles, Hotel California, and Kiss, Crazy Nights. Both classics, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, so that one's out. You can go ahead and get you the new Theory of a Dead Man. On the 24th was released the fourth studio album celebrating the 10-year anniversary and after a year away for, I guess their visual K, Baby Metal. <laughs> yeah, Toomey recently announced that he's the new member of the band. Yeah, he fit yeah. right in. I wonder if he plays on this new album that's called The Other One. I don't know. He could, he could rock some pigtails, though, I'm sure. Yeah, well, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, I don't know too much about baby metal. I do know on that same day, this is the competition on the 24th. Who's going to sell more records, baby metal or Saxon? Saxon's got a new album out called More Inspirations. They like doing these cover albums. This one features covers of Kiss, Nazareth, The Who, Rainbow, Alice Cooper, and a bunch more. I think they do From the Inside by Alice Cooper. I'll I'll check it out, but I want to hear Saxon do Saxon songs. Yeah, nobody does that better. All right, then coming, well, no, this one's, these are already out too. I kind of, yeah, I'm behind a little bit. <laughs> uh, last in line, you know, the super group, Vinnie Peace, Phil Susan, Andrew Freeman, and Vivian Campbell. This is their third studio album, and it's called Jericho. That one's out now. Uh, let's see, the 18th studio album by Finnish horror rockers, Lordy, the 2006 winners of the European Song Festival contest. Eurovision. Their new album's called Scream Writers Guild. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that one's out too. Uh, this one's kind of a trip. This one recently came out, and I really haven't had a chance to check it out, but, man... 
I'm talking about old school rockers coming out with new albums in 2023. I know you remember this band. They had songs like She's Not There and Time of Season. They're the band that originally coined the phrase, Who's Your Daddy? It's the Zombies. Yeah, I'm familiar with their stuff. From the 60s. Yeah, of course. Everybody knows She's Not There and Time of Season. And they got a new album out called Different Game. That's wild. Those guys are still out there doing it. I wonder how many of them from the 60s version are still there. Two. Oh, well, at least two of them are there. Two of them are there. Uh, Another guy passed away years ago, and another one passed away recently. I think they got inducted to the Hall of Fame like a year or so ago, didn't they? They did, yeah. Yeah, That's probably what motivated them to put a a new record out. Well, and I saw that, and I was like, the zombies? And so I actually got to reading on it a little bit. And they were... I mean, they had a weird history. So they come out with, like, their first album's got She's Not There on it. It's a huge hit. And then they release another album, and it's a bomb. And then they re- release another one, and it's a bomb. And then, so then they're, like, kind of in... Then, then Rod Argent leaves and forms the band Argent. I didn't know Rod Argent was in the Zombies. Yep. And he's huh. still in the Zombies now. So then things go around circle, and he comes back, and they release the song Time of Season, and it's a massive hit. And then, of course, it's like the end of the 70s, and those kind of bands just kind of, you know, do their thing. And they release a million albums over the years just to their, you know, very small, hardcore group of fans. Just enough to keep them going, I guess, between that and Argent. And still putting out albums now. It's it's pretty wild. I was going to say this is their whatever studio album, but I just didn't have time to count them all. Is <laughs> <laughs> that many, huh? There's a lot. Wow. It's kind of cool. I like that. Uh, let's see. We mentioned it a minute ago. On the 7th, Kiss has got that new one that's being released. is off the soundboard. Poughkeepsie, 1984. Poughkeepsie? Is that Poughkeepsie. Right? Poughkeepsie? I don't know. I've never been there. But this was the big deal about this is because it's from 1984. And I guess it's the one show with Mark St. John that they got good audio of. Well, yeah, he did. If I'm remembering right, this is the only full show that he played. And then I think the night before they played Baltimore and he Mark did half the show and Bruce did half the show. Oh, yeah. But uh, and then that I was heard it. like two of the two of the tracks that they've done. It for. And boy, man, he's a. Uh, Mark definitely had his own style and sound and just like very fluid on how he played. And um, it's it's not for everybody. You really have to be into what he's doing. And I'll tell you, though, somebody put up um, some video. It's very badly filmed video of White Tiger at one of their club gigs. Yeah. And it's it's Mark uh, Mark's guitar solo. And my God, just the the speed that that guy could fucking play with was crazy. Yeah, well, that's the kind of guy Kiss was looking for. They wanted a Vinnie Vincent that didn't give problems. Yeah, but Mark was not a... If you've heard the White Tiger stuff and like Mark St. John Project, he was a great shredder, but definitely not a writer. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I'd be, It's kind of cool to be able to hear you know, what Mark St. John would do with other Kiss songs outside of his own era of Animal Eyes. And I heard that the the rumor that I heard was that the next off the soundboard after this one is going to be something from the Unmasked tour. Oh, the oh down in Australia, Australia, Germany, France. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They they did Europe. I've got a bootleg CD 
that's got some cool stuff from Australia on it. Well, you know, Ace's last show with them until the reunion was um, there's a good soundboard bootleg out there from New Zealand, Auckland, New Zealand, and I'm wondering if that'll be the next one. Oh, yeah, that's good marketing. Ace Fraley's last show. Right. Huh, pretty interesting. Yeah, I want to check that out. That's going to be pretty cool. Um, also on the 7th, OG Seattle Grunge Rockers. They've done their share of heroin over the years, I'm sure. Mud Honey has got a new album. It's their 11th. It's called Plastic Eternity. You know any Mud Honey? I know some of their old stuff. I didn't know they were even still together. Yeah, that's another band that's always put out albums over the years and got a pretty hefty discography as well. Um, also on the 7th, Paul Gilbert has got that Dio album coming out. You know, it's Paul Gilbert's 18th full-length studio album. He's done a lot of them. Yeah, a lot of them over the years. This one is going to be Dio songs, but in the place of Dio... It's Paul Gilbert's guitar on lead vocals. Yeah, I, I heard the Holy Diver one that he released. I, I really wasn't crazy about that, personally. Yeah, all right. So that's albums you got looking forward to this week and a little bit of last week. Of course, next week we're going to talk about, this is, this is pretty interesting, all on the same day, the 14th. Which one of these bands do you think is going to sell the most albums? L.A. Guns, Mike Tramp. Overkill or Metallica? Oh, gee, what do you think? <laughs> it's got to be Mike Tramp, right? All coming out on the 14th. That's a hefty competition right there. Have you heard the single that came out off the L.A. Guns one? Yes. It's really good. It is good. I liked it. Yeah, I'm excited for that record. Me too, and I'm also excited for Overkill. Yeah. But we'll talk about all that next week. This is what you got going on this week. So, what you want to do is you want to make sure you're listening to some saliva. You want to pull out some of that classic guar, some Foo Fighters. Get you some Ozzy Osbourne with some Randy Castillo drums on it. That guy was so good. If you want to listen to Nirvana, I'm not telling you to do it, but you can if you want. Cozy Powell's played on everything, but definitely want to bust out the old Alice in Chains and the Animal Eyes by Kiss. Give all these people a good remembrance this week. We looked into the past, the future, and the present, and that's my segment. One last thing about Allison Chains. I don't know if you saw a few weeks ago, I found um, some pro shot video on YouTube of uh, Allison Chains' set from the Tiger Stadium first show of Kisses Reunion Tour. Oh, nice. And it's it, it, they sound amazing. That's cool, man. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, it's really it's it was shot by MTV from the pit. It's really cool. Is that the one where did Gene Simmons say something funny about them being on drugs at that show? You mean? Yeah, or soon thereafter. I don't know. I just always thought the the, the fun. Well, it's not funny, but the irony was that it was going to be Stone Temple Pilots opening, and um, Scott Weiland had to go into rehab, so they substitute SDP with Allison Chains. You know, yeah, that's I don't know. <laughs> and I think Allison Chains made it just a handful of shows before they had to go off the road because of his drug problem. Yeah, man, I don't understand. I mean, I guess I can't understand it because I'm not hooked on heroin, but yeah. man, that sucks. You know, that I mean, Stone Temple Pilots were awesome too, and how cool it must have been for those guys to have the opportunity for op- to open for Kiss on the reunion. And most of those Seattle bands were big Kiss fans. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild, man. It sucks. Drugs are bad. 
Drugs are bad. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, back to it. Um, man, I usually don't follow too many of the festival shows that are going on, but my God, did you see the lineup for this power trip festival that's happening out in California later this year? Oh, yeah, I did, man. It looks like, man, it looks like uh, Monsters of Rock in, from Germany in 1986 or something. This is nuts. It's ACDC, Metallica, yeah. GNR, Iron Maiden, Ozzy, and Tool. That's wild, man. That's insane. ACDC, Metallica, Guns N' Roses. That's freaking awesome. Then you throw on Iron Maiden and Ozzy. Yep. Tool's a little bit outside the circle of that, but take Tool out of that equation. That looks like a t-shirt from 1990. Yeah. But I'll tell you, I mean, not every, Tool's definitely not for everybody, and a lot of fans of these bands are not big Tool fans, but... When you think of the scope of what Tool's accomplished since they started, they do fit in on this as far as how big they are. I like some of their stuff, not all of it. Some of it's a little too artsy for me, but, I mean, Tool is an amazing band that writes pretty kick-ass songs. I got got quite a bit of Tool on the iPod. I do, too. But But just certain stuff, you know. Some of it, like I said, is not, like, some of that shit, I don't know if that's even music. (laughs) <laughs> it gets a little self-indulgent on some of their, especially on the more of the, the newer stuff. But, man, the first, like, four albums, amazing stuff. I love it. You know what? Even that last one they came out with had some, I mean, there's a lot of super long songs that are just too too much for my, you know, Kiss mind. But on the other side of that, there even on that last album, there's some really killer stuff. But great to listen to when you're high. Well, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> But they're doing this at um, in Indio, California. I think it's the same place where they do the uh, Coachella Festival. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I this article doesn't have the ticket prices, but I think what I saw was like the the lawn seats alone were like two hundred dollars a day. Dang. Yeah. I guess you so, got to pay for all that talent. Yeah, it's it's. And my wife was even kind of like, "Oh, we should go to that." And I'm like, "You say that, that's easy to say when it's right. announced. It's, yeah. it's different when you got to book airfare, hotel, and buy those damn tickets." I'm like, "I don't, uh, you know, if it." And Eddie Trunk rightfully said one thing. Um, the big draw of this really is ACDC because they haven't announced a tour. So right now, this is the only show that ACDC is scheduled to play. Because everyone else is basically on, other than Ozzy, is basically on tour right now. Right, yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. You want to include Ozzy in that, too, because, I mean, realistically, there's a pretty good chance that that might be the last chance you get to see ACDC live or Ozzy Osbourne live. These guys are at, well, no, they're beyond retirement age. Oh, sure, especially Ozzy with all his health issues. I was surprised that he agreed to do this one, which this one I'm a little skeptical on. It's like, is it is he going to be doing it to tracks and, you know, be a ta- – because, like, the last th- two things he's done, he's been, like, strapped into something because he can't really even walk, you know? Yeah. I've seen a Rob Zombie concert one time where he come out in this giant walking machine, and maybe they could get him something like that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, do you see GNR is going to play here in Nashville at the uh, soccer stadium? Yeah, I bet you that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, right across from where we had Rock and Pod. That place ain't that big. I mean, it's big, but it ain't that big. That's a thirty thousand seats. Yeah, maybe it just don't seem big from the outside. Yeah, I don't. I I'm predicting that this GNR tour is not going to sell nearly what the last one did. 
Yeah, because the shine is kind of off. They've been everywhere already. Now, if they could recruit Izzy and Steven back into the band, that would that would get my money. Yeah, it's tough for bands. I mean, because you look, Iron Maiden, you know, they're just, I don't know, They their last album was okay. Not everybody got excited about it. Ozzy, you know, you got to see him while you can. ACDC while you can. Metallica's got new music coming out. People are excited about that. But Guns N' Roses and Iron Maiden are just kind of kind of there, you know. They need something exciting to spruce it back up. I would like to see maybe a surprise album from Guns N' Roses before the end of the year. That would be cool. And it wouldn't be too much of a surprise if Guns N' Roses saved it as a surprise in one day there it was. Yeah. And then people would get excited and be talking about Guns N' Roses again. Boom, ticket sales go right back up. Yeah, I would think so. But yeah, that's one hell of a lineup right there. At the very least, we'll have some cool video from it. I'm sure it'll be probably professionally streamed. Yeah. See, I would need... I'm at the age where if I even go to a festival as a fan, I need some kind of harness like Ozzy's got to me too. help me get through. I don't want to live there for three days. Yeah, I had somebody ask me, like, are you going to Louder Than Life? I'm like, fuck no. (laughs) I don't want to see 60 bands live. I'm sorry. I'm too old for that shit. And it's always the same, too, when you look at it and go, okay, maybe I could go for one of the nights. And then you look and be like, okay, the band I want to see is playing on Friday. The other band I want to see is playing on Saturday. And the other band I want to see is on Sunday. Well, son of a bitch, why can't, you know... It line up, and it's different for everybody, so I'm sure it never lines up for anyone. That means they're good promoters. They know what they're doing. Spreading it apart. Me. Fuck, I do have to buy all three days. Well, speaking of more live dates, <laughs> Kiss is at it again. Oh, Kiss. They uh, they announced four. Cause so Doc was you know pimping out you know like 50 shows for 50 years, and that was all lined up. And then they just announced uh, four more dates this past week, <laughs> including Nashville again. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Man, I just, uh, why, Kiss? Why do you do it to us? I hate this conversation. Every time this comes up on GeekWare, I think to myself, I used to love the shit out of this band. Me too. And now it's like every time we got to talk about them, it's like, ugh, what do they do now? Oh, they told everybody it was going to be 50 last shows leading up to the the two big ones on the way out at Madison Square Garden. No more shows. That's it. Oh, we're going to hit the places we didn't hit before. No, you've been here before. Yeah, you were here four years ago in the same fucking place. (laughs) You're going to come back to the same place, same set, same songs, same everything. Mm -hmm. And then people are going to go... It's probably our last chance we're ever going to get to see Kiss. This is the end of it. And those people, a lot of them are going to buy tickets again. And they're going to say the same thing that they said. Dad, I thought you said this four years ago. Yeah, but this time really will be the last time we get to see Kiss. Well, between, you know, everything going on with, you know, Ace and Peter not being invited and, it, it's it's going to be the same. Even the Madison Square Garden shows, it's going to be the same thing they always do. They might have some sort of video montage at some point before the show, but it, other than that, it, don't expect any surprises. It's going to be a typical Kiss show. They don't want to have a video montage before the show because when Ace's picture goes up, the crowd pops. When Peter's picture goes up, the crowd pops. You know, they pop for everybody. 
And then Gene and Paul will be like, oh, that's supposed to be for us. Yeah. We're the ones. The, Vinnie Vincent will be there selling popcorn. <laughs> oh, shit. I doubt that. $2,000 a bucket. Yeah. But it was interesting that, you know, one of the four new dates was Detroit. And it was because everyone and that's I knew they were going to fucking do this because when they announced the last shows before Detroit wasn't on there. And I was like, they're not going to leave Detroit off this tour. And then once they announced this, I guarantee you they're going to end up shoehorning in more other than these. I guarantee it. Yeah, you know, they will. And then There's, even even after Madison Square Garden, if if I know anything about Kiss, those shows aren't really the end. Fuck no, they'll they'll do a Vegas residency next year. Watch, and then they'll do a residency somewhere else, and then a residency somewhere else, and they're still going to be doing the Kiss cruises, and you know it's they're not they're not done. But maybe they should be. You know, they should have been done a long time ago. I hate it. That was my band, and they've ruined it. For them, I guess not themselves because they're still making money, but they ruined it for the Kiss fans, I think. Well, get a nice palate cleanser and just put a live on and just enjoy that. Yeah, I definitely will enjoy that forever. So, we were talking about the new Metallica album coming out soon, and you know, we'll go more into that next time. But, um, an interesting little story that came out of it apparently, Robert Trujillo is going to make his vocal debut on the new 72 Seasons album. Wow, well, that's pretty cool. Yep. He says, uh, for the first time in my life, I get to sing on a Metallica record and support James. I'm very proud of that. It's the first time that James and Greg Feidelman, the producer, had probably ever really trusted me with that position of, of a recording of this stature. And he said, I was, I was surprised to get the call from Greg because I was coming up to play a little bass. And he said, I'm going to have you sing on a couple of things, too. And I was like, really? I got a little nervous. At the same time, I was very motivated uh, fortunately for me that the part really does suit my comfort zone, the vibe and the interesting, I don't know, I wouldn't say the quality of what I had to offer, but the part lends itself to my personality, to my voice, and it sits and slots in really well with the moment and bass breakdown. So, um, I don't think it's him singing on a full song, but, yeah. uh, I guess, I think it's just part of it. And it's, I guess the song is called you must burn. Hmm. Do you know when Metallica plays live? I should know this. I don't know why I don't. Does Robert do backing vocals when they play live yeah he does and it's similar to what jason newstead used to do yeah that's what i thought so why yeah why hasn't he been doing any backup vocals on any of the albums leading up to this in the last 10 years well i think he might have done backing well i don't know james really never really has backing vocals on these albums does he but they have back vocals when they're live maybe he just doubles everything or however the studio magic works with that Maybe, I, but I love everything I've heard off the new one, so uh, it'll it'll be interesting to hear the whole thing in a couple yeah, of weeks. I'm excited for it, and for Overkill, too. Let's not forget that. Yeah, for sure. Um, last story that I have is, uh, well, actually, uh, yeah, uh, well, Kane Roberts, uh, the, the, uh, actually, I do have another story, and I'll touch on this one real fast. Um, Kane Roberts basically came out and, and said that he didn't think he was a good fit for Alice Cooper's current touring band because, you know, Nita's back now. Yeah. And uh, said that he stuck out like a sore thumb. And I'd have to agree. He did not look comfortable up there again. No, he really didn't. And a couple of the things I heard were like, yeah, everybody said he just seemed out of place. Yeah. But, you know, that takes a lot to be able to look at yourself and go, you know what? It's true. And it's okay. Yeah. No, it is. And, um, 
it was just it was interesting to see him back up there playing with Alice yeah. again. I think it was cool that it happened, though. Yeah, um, no, that's really awesome, especially for the people that caught the shows where he was playing live. You know, that's that's a memory, especially if you're fans in the '80s. Right. Um, but to to double back on my uh, April Fool's joke, did you see Vinny's next uh, event is taking place soon, and it's uh, he's doing it at a like a real real deal studio near Music Row this time? Oh shit! Have we talked about this yet? I don't think we have. I don't uh, think we have either. Like, there's been developments since the last time we've done GeekWire with. This just this the most insane thing I may have ever read in my life. Like, okay, let's take the two people in rock music that are known for being the most weird, unscrupulous, strange troublemakers in in the history of rock, and at the top of the list are gonna be Vinnie Vincent and Mark Torian. Yeah. Now let's put that together. <laughs> now, from time to time, Chris, I like to pitch you on reality TV shows, but I think I've got a winner here. <laughs> oh, that, that would be so much. So that would be totally must see TV if that happened. Oh my God. Yeah. Could you imagine? But the insanity that would ensue, you would think when you took the two personalities of Vinnie Vincent and Mark Torian and put them together and just watch the shit explode. How is, how is that going to work? Well, like you, you've heard of a situation comedy, right? Yeah, <laughs> this would be a situation tragedy. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like, I mean, seriously, unless they see each other as kindred spirits mm. and truly get along beautifully, I mean, this sounds like on paper it's a it's a house fire. It's gonna be interesting to see if they actually play together. And I'm 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 picturing Mark doing the singing and then looking over and then Vinny starts doing his atonal shredding and Mark's just like, What are you doing? <laughs> no, Mark's like, Vinny Vincent, you are such a good guitar player. Oh my god. I everything I do with my guitar is based on what you do. I have finally found my kindred spirit. I don't think so. I mean you've heard Mark play guitar. Mark's a decent guitar player. What did dude tell us that time? If you took your all your spoons and forks out of your out of your drawer and dumped it on top of a guitar that was plugged in, that describes Mark Torin's or Torian or however you say it's his playing. He's I mean he he is sloppy, but I, I mean I've seen him live. He's not he's not bad. Um I think he could play more competently than Vinny can. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's oh man. Of all the things that don't make sense. Well, and it's uh, it's a listening party for Vinny's new album called Judgment Day. Yeah, I heard a little something about that over Rock and Pod Weekend. There's some crazy business going on with that too. It's not. It's not nothing new. It's 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 basically Guitar Mageddon tracks that are supposedly mixed and mastered, but I bet they'll have the same quality sound as what we've heard for years. And also, I still don't know that it'll officially get a release. Yeah, and what's what's Mark Torian doing? What's he? Is he singing? I don't know. I was told that apparently it's an album. It's got songs. It's got a singer. It's it's a band. It's a it, their songs is what I was told. It's supposedly Fleischman on his old, on the old Guitar Mageddon tracks. That's what I heard. I mean, we'll see. Huh? If hey, if he puts a new record out and it's not five hundred dollars to buy it. And it's like, you know, reasonable. I'll buy it just because I want to hear it. Yeah, I would too. 
Yeah. Hmm. But I don't get the Mark Torian other than sales are slow. So let's get somebody else. Although I don't know how much of a ticket mover Mark Torian really is. I mean, if you're going to a show and you want to see the band fight each other on stage, <laughs> I would say your odds are probably best. Like sports kings should have like a category for this to be able to place bets on like who throws the first punch right. and who storms off stage first and who's got a taller tank and all these <laughs> these equations, these situations that surely must come into play when you take these two extreme personalities and put them in the same place. I'm telling you, it's a reality show that like people that didn't even like test groups, you bring in people that don't even know nothing about who either one of these guys are and they'd be hooked on it and say these people are insane. And Vinnie Vincent would like go down in history like uh, like Mama Boo Boo or whatever. Honey Boo Boo. You know, her mom. <laughs> oh, Mama. I don't remember what her name is. <laughs> I don't remember either, but she those she reminds me of Vinnie Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> Mama Boo Boo. <laughs> I can't think of her name. That's funny. My wife watches that garbage. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Makes her feel better about the life I've built for her. <laughs> <laughs> Vinnie Vincent and Mark Torian star in. Do I even know you, bro? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> fuck yeah. That's awesome. I think that's the end of the show. We're not topping that. All right. Rock's not dead. Oh, wait. Wrong thing. <laughs> it's just about to start the greatest reality TV show of all fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that's a crazy way to end the show. But before we do, you probably recognize that there was one pretty big kiss story that we didn't talk about here today. And the reason for that is because as we record this, tomorrow is supposedly the return of Ace Fraley to the Eddie Trunk show with the unveiling of the 200-some-page manuscript of Dirt on Gene and Paul. And we kind of should wait to hear what that is. And if that is something big, and if it's a big deal, maybe we'll do another uh, Torpedo Dudes for All episode and cover all that on the next one. Well, let's do something, because when they hear this, they'll know the result. But let's take a wager here. I think he'll backtrack he won't spread any dirt what do you think i think that paul stanley and gene simmons have already apologized to him and so therefore i also agree he's not going to reveal any dirt but it's because he's going to come back and he's going to say i've talked to gene i've talked to paul they both apologized yeah they won't do it publicly but he'll will have to take ace's word for it that's what i think happens Yeah, it's wild. Well, I guess we'll find out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 